Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Got a special They're- guest for tonight, Ted. Who's uh, who do we got joining us? Dennis Superman Hallman, former UFC fighter. Uh, actually, had a uh, long and storied career. He's the only guy to ever submit Matt Hughes twice. He now uh, uh, manages and and uh, and trains fighters. Well, I don't know if he manages per se, but he, he definitely trains and corners fighters uh, out of uh, Washington State. So, uh, and there was an incident in India that happened recently and so we're going to we're going to go through all that with him and talk about what the UFC was like when he was there and what it is now and all the differences and so it's I think it's I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. It's oh. trying. The video is trying. It's got me. All right, man. Hey, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll just roll forward, and then if, if the video comes in later, that's that's cool. But uh, yeah, Dennis, great to have you. And for those uh, out there who don't know who Dennis Hallman is, I, I can't imagine that that people don't. But anyway, for for the new uh, people new to the sport, um, you've been fighting for for a long, long time, and you fought in the UFC and and a billion other organizations. You're you're the only guy to ever submit Matt Hughes twice. You were, you were on the Ultimate Fighter as part of Team Tate. And uh, most recently, uh, there was something that that went down in India with uh, with one of your fighters, uh, Hannah. Is it Kampf or Kampf? Uh, it's Hannah Kampf. She's actually she was a uh, not my fighter, but she was a, a U.S. fighter, and so I was cornering her. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought maybe she was with uh, Victory Athletics, your uh, your academy in uh, in Washington State. But uh, no, so, no, she's, she's from Montana. Oh, okay, so you were you were cornering her at SFL, which is the Super Fight League in India, and she, and she was fighting Asha Roka. Uh, she went for a t- Hannah went for a takedown just to set this up. Hannah went for a takedown. Asha uh, sank in a guillotine from bottom, pushed off the cage and rolled over and got mount with with the guillotine still sunk in. And then um, tell us what happened from there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Asha got a pretty tight guillotine, and uh, Hannah, instead of defending the guillotine right away, she finished the takedown, and so she was actually choked unconscious before she even hit the ground. So as oh. Asha was rolling her over, she was already choked unconscious, and I noticed it pretty much immediately. I was like, okay, she's out. So I started waiting for the referee to uh, stop a fight, and that's when the time started slowing down for me. Seconds started seeming like minutes. Um, right. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people, the, the video was, was pretty widespreadly shared. Um, they saw that the referee just didn't see what was happening. Um, I don't think he, he, he missed some protocol. He's actually a good referee. Normally, he just oh. uh, had a bad match, and uh, he was missing. <laughs> <Stocking>. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he had the, he had the worst match a referee's had in in the history of refereeing. So, but yeah. he still he's 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 uh, you know, he's not a bad referee. I've seen him make a lot of good calls. Mm-hmm. He just had a bad a bad call that time. Um, you know, unfortunately mm-hmm. on on live TV, and uh, you know, it's one of those things. But he uh, he just missed protocol. He he didn't check the check the arm. Uh, the the free hand. He didn't uh, look at the feet and see how they were how they were acting. He didn't, uh, you know, most of the time when someone's someone's getting choked in the guillotine, they they grab the arm that's on their neck, and uh, she wasn't doing any of that. And mm. so he also wasn't positioned to see her face. She should have uh, changed his position too. The cage was in the way, but still, you can step around. Um, I think that he just, uh, you know, it's one of those things that can happen to a referee. They get too relaxed. And uh, they forget that you know people's li- people's lives are in their hands. Yeah. So so you threw in the towel, right? That's that's what happened next when when you realized that that the, the ref was step on the, the protocol. Sorry, is to step up onto the apron, and that's what's supposed to stop in an MMA bout. It's what's supposed to stop the bout. Um, if you can see the me in the back, I'm on the apron. Like from when the video already is showing, I'm already on the apron because she was already out. And uh, then I threw the towel. And my mind was working so fast before the tally even hit the ground. Um, I was over the fence just because it was taking too long to hit the ground. I was starting to panic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, right. So, uh, how, so you you got over the top of the fence. I I forget now. Uh, uh, I didn't yeah, uh, watch the video today, but um, you went over the top of the fence. Yeah. Okay. I I I don't imagine that that would. Be, how would that happen in in? Uh, I've never seen that. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen in the United States. Like, like that. Just I can't imagine that scenario where where anyone would have to do that. That, that you would have um, to jump over the cage. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that if the scenario was set up any different than, I mean, the fights and and the uh, the commission there was set up the same as they do in Washington State. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of, you know, I think that one of the problems was is like in America, you can you can uh, hear what's going on, like. Uh, Fairly well around the cage, you know. If someone's screaming, then they can, then a referee can hear you. But over there, they had uh, like this music playing in the background, oh. these huge bounce drums and stuff. You couldn't oh. hear anything. So as I'm yelling, uh, the referee he didn't have a chance to hear me. You no, know? so it was uh, maybe that was the difference is, is that he couldn't hear anything either outside the cage. So I got to ask you this, man. Uh, you know, you watch the crime shows and stuff like that. You see people get strangled and. And they pass out and die. I mean, how long do you have to really choke someone for something really significant like that to actually happen? Well, uh, you know, for somebody to die, like brain death is like I believe three minutes without, without blood to the brain, okay, and so that's uh, a while. you know, five minutes to actually die. So it's a long time. But uh, you know, the first um, thing to go when you when your body starts to fight is you know starts shutting down organs, you know, fight for blood for the brain. And, um, you know, you, you lose control of your bodily functions. And uh, the girl actually, she peed herself. You didn't see that, but uh, 
but you know she had no control over it. But um, that's why at the if you watch the entire video, I throw the white uh, flag around her back, okay. that's so people can't see that at the you know the immediate moment. But you know we didn't, I didn't really think about how significant it was at the moment, but uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and you, you saved the night. Um, you know, I just trained what I was doing, what I was trained to do, I guess. I don't know. You're a fighter and you know when someone goes out, you know, you've done this for 20, 21 years. And so, you know, I would expect somebody, I would hope somebody would do the same thing for me. And I don't know if it was, if it's saving the night, but it, maybe it's just, uh, that's what I, that's what we would all do for each other. Right. Yep. Yep. I say so. So, so Dennis, uh, I mean, how would you describe the, uh, the MMA where they are in mixed martial arts in India, like compared to the United States, um, you know, where we've been, you know, the UFC has been around since 1993. Um, are they, you know, way behind us as far as uh, education for, for refs? Uh, you know, does, does Big John need to go over there and do a seminar or something? Or what, what uh, where are they at with all that? See, uh, Big John... Um... I mean, there's there's uh, commissions in the U.S. that could use Big John's help. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic referee. But there there the commission there is not not uh, not let's say it's, they know what the commission actually the elected officials they're pretty knowledgeable. They know what they're doing. They know what they're they know what to call. They know the rules. Um, the referees, like I said, the referee that guy he's one of the best referees in India. I probably is the best referee in India. If I had to pick somebody to ref my fight, I'd pick him. But he made the biggest blunder he could possibly make on for the whole world to see. So no one's gonna, you know, no, he's not gonna get any, 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 uh, any slack from it, from you know his performance. People are gonna say he's the worst ref ever, but you know that, it, it happens. But the, those referees definitely need seminars, and they need to work more bouts. I think is what it is. Is uh, you know, in America we have amateur fights, fights are every weekend all the time. You know, so those referees get a lot of work. Whereas the guys over there, you know, they've, you know, they've refereed probably less than 50 bouts each, you know, which is not very many. And um, so it's experience-wise for the officials, need they need to work more, for sure. Okay. But uh, the fans over in India are probably the, the greatest fans you've ever seen. Like, it reminds me of a high school basketball game. Like, yeah. uh, they have cheerleader guys that run back and forth, throwing their hands <laughs> up in the air. Really? They're crazy. You know, in America... Um, the production makes the signs for the people, for the, you know, for the fans, you know, when they're trying to show something to make it look like it's exciting. It's not really the fans that are, that are making those signs and most, not most of them. It's a uh, production. At least it was when they were, when they were coming through, uh, you know, when you get the close up stuff, even in, in football, they do that. But these fans, these fools will make like they, they watch you one fight and they're like super fans of you the rest of the, the rest of the, the tournament. They, I mean, it was pretty interesting to see some of these American fans, that they, these Indian guys would write their names on the sign, you know, uh, Patrick Benson, you're the greatest, and hold this little sign up. It was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, that's great. Was that your first time uh, ever over there for the SFL? No, see, the, the original, the, the SFL that's hired now is actually the second owners of uh, the original SFL. I went over there in 2012, and... Uh, taught the first group of, uh, of fighters in, in, in India. Um, that, that was like SFL 1, 2, and 3. Um, I taught a camp there for three months, and then that's what I did again this time. They, they brought me over um, for seven weeks prior to the season to try to get the fighters caught up with, like, uh, trying to get them 
a little bit more uh, more knowledgeable mm-hmm. and a little bit more comfortable with uh, fighting foreign fighters. And uh, you know, the fighters are the ones that work hard; they do well. The ones that didn't work hard, you know, so there's a they got a group of you know 90 fighters, and uh, maybe 30 of them worked hard. The others that were were kind of they were learning how to work hard still. But the ones that the ones that they worked hard, they did well. So, so you ran this kind of this boot camp uh, for all the fighters that were going to fight uh, in the SFL season. So all of the Indian fighters, not the foreign fighters. Okay. Okay. And, and then, and then, um, the group of foreign fighters from America that came over, they were people that I had um, that I knew from from uh, the Northwest, and so you know that those most of the fighters from America were from the Northwest. I helped oh, okay. procure them to compete. So I've never been there. I don't really know what it's like uh, over there, but I'm sure that you've went to go, you know, at one of the gyms. What, what is it like? Uh, you know, what's really different between a gym there and, uh, you know, over here in the States? Um, so if I was to make a comparison, uh, the U.S. would be like uh, having a doctorate, you know, graduated from, a, from college with a doctorate, and uh, India would be like uh, – still struggling to graduate kindergarten okay yeah because i spoke with a fighter that that's over there in that area and he was trying to explain it to me as well as he can without making it sound like they weren't experienced at all but he was saying like you know we don't have much experienced guys to really train us over here so what do you think they need to do to uh you know you know step it up they need to do exactly what they did with uh with me you know bringing bringing guys like foreign guys to, to help coach these teams and uh and you know it's it's no one's gonna jump in you know like like a, the analogy I use a kindergarten is not gonna jump in and and compete with the with a doctor you know in in anything and uh, you know one something impressive was was that Asharoka girl you know she's a she was um, a ranked boxer I think she ranked like 13th in boxing and um, just a phenomenal athlete and. Uh, you know, most of those girls that she competed against were pretty green. Hannah Kampf actually is a, is a tough girl. She made her pro debut there and was uh, and won her first two fights. So that was, uh, you know, it's, I was impressed by how by how Asha did in comparison. And uh, there was a couple of guys like uh, Isaac Maheu. He he looked pretty good. Um, you know, a couple of decent Indian fighters that that performed well. They were impressive. And uh, but you know what what makes guys better is mat time and. The more <clears throat> the more mat time you have, the better you're gonna get. And uh, you know, I, I think Jeff Latnick said it well: if you can't fight on the ground, you can't fight. And so these guys need to realize that you know they mm-hmm. need to spend their hours because a lot of them have a lot of uh, most of them have a lot of experience striking, but not a lot of a lot of experience on the ground. And you know they spend most of their time. So the, if I was their coach, I'd be making them spend most of their time learning ground fighting. Whereas uh, the coaches that they do have, they are striking based guys, most of them. And so they're the guys aren't getting the the mat time that they need to get better. Well, that's um, interesting you say that, Dennis, because uh, I, I thought Indians had a, a long history of of wrestling. I thought there's a you know cushy wrestling mud. I went I went and did that. So it was pretty interesting. Um, it's just like a freestyle wrestling match in the mud. Um, but you know, like as like how American wrestling and and, and Russian wrestling is uh, pretty widespread through the community. Um, it's probably because we don't wrestle in the mud, 
So even the Indians, not all of them want to get dirty, you know. <laughs> so the wrestling that they do have is, uh, you know, it's filthy. So. Another thing that really interests uh, me, man, is what's going on over there with the with the female fighters. Do, do any of their beliefs kind of crash with uh, or, or get in the way with you know performing or anything? Because I know that some of them can't show their faces; they have to wear the cloths. I mean, uh, is it developed that's, over there? That's probably a uh, that's probably a uh, um, what that do you that's more Middle that's, East. That's, that's, no, so. that yeah, that, that's not in India, man. Like in, I've seen more people in America um, with the face masks on, you know, the the Indian, the Muslim chicks, they more of that stuff than I have in India. Oh wow! Um, like Pakistan, yeah, those Hindus over there. Uh, Pakistan is where most of the Muslims went. Like when and Pakistan seceded from India, um, that's why they're they're at war with each other over territory like that. But most of the most of the Muslims went to Pakistan. Um, I think it's like fourteen percent of of. Uh, of the population is Muslim over there, whereas like eighty percent is um, is Hindi. So, uh, you know, it's it's the girls thing is it's it is kind of strange. They're like every little uh, they because they're all about security there. Like you go into a public place, you gotta go through a metal detector or whatever, and uh, the girls have their own little metal detector and they get they go inside some little dark like closed off area to get patted down, whereas the guys just walk in a line and get patted down normally. Hmm. So. Uh, Wow, there, well, hey, there's some weirdness there, but it's not it's not too awkward, you know. The it's the third world though, so when you're over there, you definitely realize that we're blessed to be in America. You mentioned you mentioned the ground game and how important it is, Dennis, and and uh, you should know you you've got uh, 41 submissions to your credit. Um, what? Uh, how did you get your start? I, th I think you you started off as a as a wrestler, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, see, like, but what then people you don't realize is uh, Yeah, no, no, it's not even that. It's it's wrestling. What people don't realize is where American wrestling came from. It came from catch wrestling. That's, what, right. that's where we're the only country in the world that does folk style wrestling, which is uh, ground based wrestling. And it and it's and it's catch It's catch Our wrestling that we do in Collegian is based from catch wrestling, and um, so we're basically and then jujitsu guys. It's the same thing except for they're like the guys that got taken down. And so they they learned how to uh, do their their grappling off their back, and the right. catch wrestling guys once to do the takedowns, and so they grapple off the top, and that's the American base. So um, when Explain I started, what's what's catch wrestling for for those who don't know? Catch, catch wrestling is so up until the 1936 Olympics, right? You were allowed to uh, you were allowed to do submissions in wrestling. So that explains it more. It's, it's just over the last hundred years or years that they eliminated the submissions. So all wrestling is if, if you look at it from um this is how i this is how i approached it when i started in mma is i was suddenly allowed to do all of the moves that were that were called illegal for me all my life growing up now all the illegal moves are legal and i can't be pinned so that's the way i approached it and um mm -hmm. it, you know it, it was it just all made sense to me so i i, I was able to you know at 19 20 years old compete with guys that had been doing jujitsu for quite a while not because uh not because I was some jujitsu phenom, it was just because I approached the sport of grappling, you know, from a from an from a standpoint of I'd rather be on top, but you know, if I get on the if I'm I can't be pinned and it's just wrestling and everything illegal is now legal. And and were there any catch wrestling guys that, that you learned from? Uh, you know, like you hear about guys like 
Billy Robinson and and uh, Luthez and were, were there any were there any guys that um, or Carl Gotch any guys that you came in contact with like that old style wrestlers? So it, yeah, if you look through the, the the lineage, like Matt Hume went over to uh, Japan and learned some from those guys, those catch wrestler guys that learned from the from the 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 name catch wrestlers, and and uh, I worked with him. You know, he he really uh, he helped me understand the hip positioning, the, you know, the correct hip positioning better. Um, I picked it right up, but it was uh, the the little things that he taught me. Not real, not not necessarily big moves, but actually concepts and fundamentals. That he helped he helped me understand, and um, it really grappling is that's really what it is. Everybody knows all the different moves, but it's if you, if you understand the concepts and the fundamentals, the concepts of when to when to use the moves and um, how they affect you and the percentages of the of the sport, like uh, high risk low percentage moves, you want to stick to those. Understanding what what each move is, um, that is uh, that's the, that's the the big the key to grappling. Uh, Josh Barnett and I, we, uh, you know, Josh is a big known catch wrestler, but we like we're from right. the same, learn the same style from the same guys. Oh, that's true. He he started with uh, with Matt Hume as well, and then I guess later on, hooked up with uh, yeah. with Eric Paulson. Yep. And so, and now Josh, I, I heard Josh has has split off and he's he's doing his own thing. I, I'm sure he is. I mean, he's yeah. a talented kid. He can do. He he could he could do his own thing for sure. So a lot of our a lot of our uh, viewers and listeners that are tuning in right now um, probably remember you from that season Ultimate Fighter as well. What was that experience like for you, man? I mean, uh, you know, was this your first time really around like the production of uh, you know a TV set and, and all that, like kind of behind the scenes? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um... I mean, I guess from like a reality show was, but I I had been around, you know, a lot of the guys. They did the IFL and and I've been in a lot of the little uh, the little spinoffs that, that they tried to that never really made it big of uh, MMA um, reality. I guess reality based. Uh, um, there was something called Valor that they they tried to do some reality thing out of. So it wasn't my first, but it was uh, you know the first major production I was around. But it was no different than. Then you know we've been fighting around TV cameras and doing interviews and yeah. all that our whole careers. So it wasn't a different than anything we'd already done. And so what what happened with uh, you? You got to tell us for for those who don't know who didn't see the footage, the whole thing with you and and Edmund Tarverdian, aka Count Chocula. Yeah, that guy was real weird. So he like uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, I came there and and. And Brian Carraway is a good friend of mine, um, and uh, they told me that the guy that I before I got there, he was trying to like pick a fight with Brian. Well, I, I show up there, and the guy kept looking at me like, like uh, I don't know, like I was dating his mom. And uh, <laughs> of course, he's looking at me. I'm like, hey, stare hard, retard. He's like, what did you say? <laughs> and 
and then he I think they caught a little glimpse of it, but he tried to be he's what I, he's the guy that I call like a background tough guy. Um, he's like the guy at the bar that will be you know if you you get a, you bump into him and he starts screaming real loud, come on, why'd you bump into me? So everybody hears him, you know. So he's yeah. nothing you beat up. That's kind of how the Edmund guy is. He's loud and, and wants to be, you know, make sure make sure everybody notices him so he doesn't get his ass kicked in private. Um, you know, so I told him like he was talking about how he was gonna do whatever he's gonna do, and so I didn't think that I. You know what? To this day, I know we wouldn't have got in trouble if we would have went in there and I would have beat his ass in the cage. Um, no one would have said anything. We're two, you know, we're two grown men. We get in the cage and and whether it's uh, you know, during a live bout or or not, no one's gonna get in trouble. Um, right. grumpy little Rhonda, <laughs> she, uh, you know, wanted to make her little show of it, whatever, but, uh, right. Know, she kind of white lighted in there, you know, she, she, uh, got in your face and, and yeah, she just, I don't know. I was, I wasn't impressed with that. You know what I mean? But it, but it was totally her persona. That guy let a girl talk for him. That guy, the, the guy let a girl talk for him. That, I mean, what kind of panty waist does that? Right. Oh, I'm gonna let my girl coach go and stand in my way. But yeah, you want to know if Misha mm -hmm. ever tried to do that to me? I'd be like, Misha, you better sit down. I knock the shit out of this guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, she was just hanging back, letting you know. She was letting oh, you handle me. your business. Yeah, I mean, Misha and Brian—they lived in my backyard for two years, so they know. They know mm -hmm. that I'm not like. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you're gonna talk to talk, you gotta walk the walk. That's kind of like the way that I was raised, and that's the way that you know. It's a uh, mm -hmm. matter of principle. You know, you never, you would never see me do the things that he did and, and not throw down. You know, I'm not gonna ask somebody or tell somebody I'm gonna call them later. Who does that? You know? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight you later. <laughs> later on outside. Like, why even say anything if you're gonna do it? You know? But it is what it was. The guy was a pussy. <laughs> Made for some good TV though. Yeah. yeah, that guy's not very popular anymore, is he? <laughs> Uh, no, no, only for uh, his uh, head movement, head movement. <laughs> head movement. How about you tell that girl who's a world-class judo to clinch? How about that? Uh, yeah, clinch, clinch. How about, how about walk across the ring and grab that the boxing girl's mm -hmm. hand and then take her down, Rhonda, instead of standing there getting mm -hmm. sucked in the mouth? But mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I My personal opinion on that fight mm -hmm. is if, if uh, Rhonda fought her again, that Rhonda would beat her. Just because uh, if she had a coach that taught her that you know taught her how to do the zombie style, walk across the ring, grab uh, the girl that's punching her in the face with arms instead of you know not instead of standing in front of her, how about you just keep walking towards somebody? It's illegal to clinch in boxing because nobody can box if you clinch them, you know. So instead of standing in front of somebody, let them hit you. How about you grab them? They're gonna hit you one time before you can grab them unless you're you know extra extra on the handicap channel. Oh, so you, so you think if she if she fought uh, Nunez again, she she would win? Yeah, man, if she did what she did in her early fights, like when she'd like lead with her butt and then grab people instead of trying to stand in front of them and and do what she does, what she's not good at doing, you know, she's not a striker, dude. How about you? See, the thing that people don't realize is if it, if somebody wants to grapple you, that the, the striker can't stop it from happening. You know, it's illegal to clinch in boxing because you can't box when they when somebody clinches you. You know, you can't, it does, right. it, it, it stuffles the game. Um, everybody can do that in, in MMA. They don't do it because, you know, people like to throw bombs, I guess. But if you're, if you're fighting somebody who is uh, that much, you know, superior to you at, at striking, why in the world would you stand in front of them? Well, the only way you're going to get knocked out is if you stand in front of somebody when they're throwing punches at you. And, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess you just fell in love with their hands. You did, man. And, 
and <laughs> I still think that she's a better that she would you know if she gets anybody on the ground that girl's gonna mm -hmm. beat you know ninety nine percent of the people, but you know forget mm -hmm. where you forget what got you there then then I guess nobody's gonna help you, especially when you got some some fake boxing guy telling you telling you that you're you know world class oh you could you could knock out freaking uh, what's her name uh, Layla Ali come on. <laughs> So where are you right now, Dennis? Are you still over there, or are you back in the states right now? I'm back where that you can breathe the air. I'm back in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your next venture here? I mean, when's the next time that we're going to be uh, seeing you around? See, uh, right now there's talk about a Super Fight League. It's going to try to bring their their Fight League concept mm -hmm. to the U.S. Um, that's oh. a possibility. I know that they're going to go back at the end of this year to India. Um, I hope I'm a part of that. Um, I, I have I, yeah. a lot of the Indian guys are just really uh, it's really easy to take a liking. So I have a, I have a good bond with a, with a good group of guys over there that um, I enjoy coaching. So I'll go from there. Well, what we like and, to do. Uh, kind of just, uh, I'm sorry, Daz. I said just kind of see where the world will take me. Mm -hmm. So what we like to do at this point in the interview, we got the live open chat room. If anyone's got a question for you in there, and then of course Ted, uh, you got anything for Dennis? Well, I, I gotta ask Dennis about the speedo, because <laughs> I, I I gotta ask you this, Dennis. I, I you've probably been through it a million times, but in, I think it was UFC 133. Uh, you you wore a speedo. It's um, and Dana White was pissed off at that. But you said you lost a bet. What was the what was the bet over? I'm not at liberty to say that, but I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> so I mean, me and my friends are pretty crude, right? So, uh, my one buddy, if he would have lost, uh, you know, there's a 69 year old woman that he was gonna have to procure. Uh, oh come on! Lucky I'm the guy that lost. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Well, that, you know what? That that puts it in perspective. Yeah. So you, you uh, know why I had to do it because I would have made for sure him do it. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. Fair enough. Um, so, so Dennis, are you uh, are you officially retired, or and and you're 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 uh, settled in as a coach, or do you ever think that you might get back in the cage? I mean, because we've seen guys have a career resurgence, um, you know, in in their forties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just turned forty-one. See, the, the night before at weigh-ins that I fought uh, John Fitch, tore my bicep, but uh, oh. you know they brought me in as a replacement for that guy and. Uh, so uh, I wasn't gonna, uh, and I, I never got my bicep. It, it tore like it was a partial tear. So it's actually. I'll give you a little sample here. So, so I don't know if you can see it. No, you probably can't even tell. Well, uh, we, it's, we can actually only see your photograph for some reason. That the video is not coming through. I think it's coming through, and there's a little cartoon picture of, of Evil Eddie, but I can see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how it so, is. But I mean, I had, I had just, I just wasn't able to train, and and uh, I was still, you know, trying to, trying to fight, and and uh, you know, my mind was in a different place, so I was kind of just burned out on fighting, pretty much. And uh, lately, you know, it was kind of going and train, going to Indian train those guys, kind of put a little fire under me. I'm gonna try to do some grappling tournaments and see how that that goes, see how my body holds up, and uh, you know, continue to eat right because I have celiac disease and. And it's it's harder to eat right than it is to train as a professional fighter, man. I'll tell you, cutting out gluten and doing all sorts of crazy stuff is more difficult than than uh, 
than training, which is not an easy an easy thing either. But uh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to just see what, what how the things roll. Definitely gonna do some more grappling first. But I'd like to fight. I don't want to go out. I mean, I lost a bunch of fights to guys that you know are not on my level. You know, there's a. But it is what it is. They were they were better those days. But it's kind of a hard thing to accept. You know, that getting old and and understanding that that uh, if you're not hungry, you know, that hungrier guy is gonna steal your lunch. And so, right. if, I, if I can get that back through grappling first, then yeah, I'd like to fight. I'd like to fight somebody. Uh, I'd like to actually fight in the Super Fight League just to, I don't know, maybe go over there and, and uh, make my make my mark over there before I'm done. I fight everywhere else that, that I could fight, so it'd be kind of cool to fight over there. Nice. Hey, Dennis, by the way, I wanted to let you know about Ann Hill. Uh, she's she's one of our, uh, our fans or one of our friends. She's more than a fan. She's a friend. And she lives uh, in Oregon, so she uh, she really loves the Pacific Northwest, and uh, so she wanted to say hi to you. Well, hello, Anne. Thanks for thanks for saying hi. And uh, the air here, I'm telling you guys, if you haven't been up here, the air here is after being in India, the most in New Delhi, India, the most polluted city in the world. Where if you go outside without a without a gas mask or like a little uh, you know cloth mask around by the end of the day you'll have black boogers in your nose wow I'm going from that back come to, on. to the pierced air. i'm not joking man back to the pierced air of the world up here in the northwest and uh man makes me want to bottle this air up and bring it down there and share it with those guys <laughs> that, that's it's good to be home that's uh that's qu quite a thing some black boogers at the end of the day that's serious i would freak <laughs> out yeah. no thanks yeah, dude, just, yeah just no from being, thanks just from being outside man just from being outside Wow. Hey, you should have the guys from India come over to the United States and train with you. What do you I think got that going up. We got that rolling on right now. I got I got a couple guys that are working on getting their visas. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what we like to do at They'll this point. Drink. I'm sorry, Dennis. Go ahead. So, so they get to drink some clean water when they get here. But go ahead, go ahead, Evil Eddie. There you go. So um, what we like to do at this point in the interview is we hand the imaginary microphone over to you. If you have any sponsors, any shout outs, anything you want to get on the table to let listeners and of course your fans know about, uh, the floor is all yours now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really have much to say. I mean, this is, uh, mm -hmm. I like to thank God cause he's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the maker of all of us. But other than that, I just, uh, hope everybody you know, understands that, that, um, that uh, we try our hardest and and do our best and you know that's what that's what will make you happy if you, if you put if you if you strive to be to be what the best of something that uh, nothing can really stop you from doing that except for yourself. I love that. I'll take that to heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dennis. Yeah, that was that was great. And and yeah, we appreciate everything that you've done over the years uh, with your fight career. Um, for sure, you know. Uh, putting it out there in the cage uh, as many times as you have. I mean, uh, I think uh, 70, more, more than 70 fights. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, man. There, I probably have like 30 on there that, that aren't even marked. <laughs> Same with Josh Barnett. Like, Josh got a bunch. Like all of us guys in the Northwest, we were fighting. We have so many more fights than they have on their little, on their little uh, sure dog stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, it was different fights back then too. Like I fought this kid Lee Remedios one time. We were allowed to kick in the balls. I booed that kid so hard in the balls just because. We were <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he ended up fighting in the UFC actually too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that guy from from uh, some years ago, Lee Remedios. Yeah, yeah. 
him and I fought in some little underground warehouse in Canada, and we were allowed to boot in the balls, and I was like, I got to do this because we're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> just because you can. <laughs> yeah. Funny. That's awesome. That one moment in life, you were like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right, man. So thank you so much for coming on Evil Intoxicated. We wish you the best of your journey that you got going on. And we really appreciate you coming on. So have a great night and uh, a great future. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Thanks, guys. Make sure you guys subscribe down below here. And also Pure Evil MMA on iTunes and Podbean.com. We do the show live every Wednesday night. I'm Evil Eddie from FrontProofMedia.com. That's Ted Check, and we're out.